Let's be attentive. Brethren, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that will compel you to be circumcised. And not only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who receive circumcision do not keep themselves the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. But far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule, upon the Israel of God. Henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. Peace be unto thee, reader. pressed round him, and a woman who had had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had spent all her living upon physicians, and could not be healed by anyone, came up behind him, and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood ceased, and Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the multitudes surround you and press upon you. But Jesus said, Someone touch me, for I perceive that power has gone forth from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. 
While he was still speaking, a man from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear. Only believe, and she shall be well. And when he came to the house, he permitted no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and bewailing her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise, and her spirit returned. And she got up at once, and he directed that something be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. unto thee who proclaims the good tidings. the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Many decades ago, when I was a university student, I made a hitchhiking trip in Europe. And I remember being in a pensione in Florence. And there was this delightful British family And the woman, the mother, told me the story of something that had happened to them two or three years prior. She said, here we were in Florence, and we're going down a street, and whom should we cross but Princess Margaret? I said, wow, did you greet her? Oh no, she said, that wouldn't be proper. She said, we got to the end of the street, and then we talked about what we had seen. And I sort of laughed to myself, and I thought, if she had been an American, she would have asked for an autograph. (laughs) Or today, we probably would ask for a selfie. I mean, things progress here. But tragically, how sad it is that although... We Americans have boldness, even with royalty. When it comes to God, sometimes we are so reticent. We see that same, same restraint in the gospel today. With a woman who had the issue of blood, who was fearful of confronting Jesus. And so it says she touches him from behind. This poor woman is in a pitiable condition. She has a flow of blood. She probably needs a hysterectomy. But in those days, of course, that they didn't know about such procedures. And so she suffered. And she suffered not only the pain and the discomfort, 
But in Judaism, there was an extra layer of pain. And that was, she was ritually impure. According to Leviticus 15, anyone she touched, anyone she brushed up against, was considered defiled. She couldn't go to the synagogue, she couldn't go to the temple, and she should not have been on this crowded street. Nevertheless, she was desperate. Saint Luke is a doctor and he has this description. He says she could not be healed by anyone. Mark is not a doctor and so he provides some more details. He said, Mark says that she suffered under many doctors and has spent all she had. Luke, as I say, doesn't mention that. Well, this woman is closed out. She defiles everyone she brushes against, but she's desperate. She's heard stories about Jesus and his healing power, and so she reaches out and she touches him. On the translation we have says the hem. But it probably was the tassels that every pious Jew wore at the corners of his robe. She touches and she's healed. What a beautiful, marvelous account telling us of the power that Christ has to restore and heal. But the question is there. Why don't more of us reach out and touch? What keeps us from embracing the Lord? What what keeps us from running to Him? Falling down before Him and saying, Lord, have mercy. In the scriptures, we learn that to approach God, man must be worthy. In the Old Testament, to be worthy of God meant primarily that you observe the law and that you're externally pure, that you did the proper ablutions, that you refrain from impurity, and that you kept your life according to the external guidelines. According to the New Testament, there's the difference. And that is that the worthiness is a matter of the heart. That's what renders us worthy. We see in the New Testament that the people still have the Old Testamental thought. When the prodigal son returns home, he throws himself at his father's feet and he says, Father, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your servants. When Christ is... is is asked by the centurion to heal his servant, Christ gets up and walks towards the centurion's home. And the centurion quickly sends out messengers to him and says, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under the roof of my soul, the roof of my house. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. So they have this strong sense of worthiness. But Christ accepts all who come to him. 
He who comes to me, he says in the Gospel of St. John, I will not cast out. Jesus is the one who goes to the outcasts. He goes to the women. He goes to the lepers. He goes to the publicans. Publicans are tax collectors. He goes to people who are on the outcasts, on the outskirts of society and looked down upon by the authorities. He goes to them and he lets them touch him and he in turn touches them. There's a danger about waiting until we're worthy to approach Christ. Because if we wait till we're worthy, we'll never approach him. Because we'll never be worthy. What renders us worthy? There's one thing, brothers and sisters, that makes us worthy to approach Christ. And that's repentance. Repentance in our heart. Those who are well have no need of a doctor, says Christ. But I come to those who are ill. It's important to understand that sin acts as a barrier between us and God. Isaiah tells us, he says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that he cannot hear you, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and God, and your sins have hid his face from you so he does not hear. We never, ever should take sin lightly. As a monk once told me, even small snakes can kill. Even small sins can separate us from God. The worst of all sins is pride. Well, pride is not just standing on our soapbox and holding up trophies that we've won at some football game or telling people how smart we are or how good we are. No, that certainly is pride, but pride is much more insidious. Pride is that, that confidence. It's that... It's that, that confidence we have in our righteousness, in our virtue, in our rectitude. Whoever feels content with his life will never be convinced that he's apart from God and will never repent of anything. I know of too many who let sin keep them from God. But the reality is this. On the day of judgment, the fathers tell us, we will not be condemned for sinning, because then no one would be saved. They say on the day of judgment, we'll be condemned for not repenting. What a powerful message that is. We will not be condemned for our sins, we'll be condemned for not repenting. Let us not be in that number, beloved. Disbelief renders us powerless. The miracles that Christ performs in the New Testament require faith. There's a passage in the Gospel of St. Mark 
when, when Christ returns home, his neighbors and former friends are skeptical. And Christ replies, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own kin and, his, and in his own house. And he could do no mighty act there. The woman touches Jesus and ends by being touched by him because of faith. Draw near to God, says St. James, and he will draw near to you. We're reminded in the epistle to the Hebrews, Without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. The church is the body of Christ, united to each other because we're united to God. Not to understand the teachings of the church is one thing. To reject them is a pride which destroys. St. Jude calls these blemishes. Christ comes to save us. He comes to unite him to himself. He can work with weak faith, but not with disbelief. Let us strive to increase our own individual faith through communion, scripture, prayer, and acts of good, de- and good deeds. The gospel is very optimistic. It assures us that the barrier separating us from God and his love can be overcome. I am certain St. Paul writes to us in Romans that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.